You are the most egotistical, self-deluded person I have ever met. Reality TV is not reality. You're ugly and your mother dresses you funny. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, as always, this stuff in lieu of actual entertainment. Alrighty then. Hello and welcome back. This is Storytime and I am Gamer Dude. Glad to have you with us for some more stories this week. Today I'm talking about television again. You know it's one of my favorite subjects. I grew up watching a lot of TV, and I still watch a lot of TV. TV has changed a lot over the years, and that's why I like to talk about it a lot. I grew up probably the way my mother didn't want me to grow up, watching a lot of television. Go outside and play. How many times did I hear that when I was glued to the TV, watching Bugs Bunny, reruns of Mr. Ed, The Munsters, The Addams Family? That was my childhood. I didn't want to go outside, I wanted to watch TV. And those times I wasn't outside, and every chance I could, I was watching TV. What I wanted to talk about today is a relatively recent phenomenon in TV. I say relatively recent because I've got a long history of watching TV. So for me, it's relatively recent. And that's reality TV. And when I say reality TV, I talk about those unscripted, well, allegedly unscripted TV shows that we watch. Everything from Survivor to Keeping Up with the Kardashians to The Voice. All of those kind of shows, those reality shows. I started watching them when they first started. I think my first reality show of the recent vintage was Survivor. That came out in the year 2000, which I know, as I think about it, it's 22 years ago. So it's not that recent, but it's relatively recent. But what I wanted to talk about today was how reality TV has influenced the way people are, how it has changed in the past 20 years, and how I don't think any of these reality shows hold a candle to what I consider the original and the best reality show. And that's an old show called Candid Camera. I know, it's going to sound like an old dude talking about, well, back in my day. Well, I'm going to tell you, back in my day, Candid Camera was the best reality show. And I'm going to tell you why at the end of the episode. But obviously, before we get to the end, we have to start at the beginning. So we're going to start with Survivor. I loved the idea of Survivor when it started back in 2000. I watched that first season, and I was glued to the TV when Survivor started. Now, if you've never seen Survivor, and it's hard to imagine people haven't seen Survivor or are at least not aware of it. But Survivor is the show where they take a bunch of people and strand them. And I say that with air quotes, strand them on a desert island and they have to survive. I mean, it's not really in doubt that they're going to survive. They're there with a production crew. They're there with first aid people in case something happens. It's not like they're really stranded on a desert island, but that's the image that they try to project. These people are all stranded out here. Let's see what happens. But I bought into that premise. I liked it when it started. And I watched that first season of Survivor, and I was enthralled. I loved it. And I liked the competing interests in that first season, because the show was billed as, who is going to be the best Survivor? Who is going to get through this? Well, what wasn't revealed at the beginning, but was revealed as time went on, was that there were two teams, and they would go against each other in these competitions. And one by one, people would be voted out, the weakest link, as it were. And ultimately, it would come down to a vote as to who was the best survivor. And the way the show was presented initially was that survival skills would matter, the ability to perform tasks would matter, the ability to make do with minimal amounts of food and clothing, that would matter. What wasn't really clear in that first season to anybody but the guy who won was the social politics of the whole experiment. The guy who won that first season, Richard Hatch, understood that this was a political game. 
Even in that first season, I didn't really get that. I thought it was really a survival game. But he understood that building alliances, getting people on your side, having people have your back and make sure they'd vote for you, that was the key to winning Survivor. And that's how he won, with his alliances. The person in second place was truly a good survivor. She excelled at the physical endeavors. She managed to get by with a minimal amount of food and didn't have any of the alliances that Richard had crafted. So when it came down to the winner, it was the politics and the social interactions that determined who won that game, which was interesting. I didn't agree with it because I thought the survivor game should be about surviving, but it really kind of is because you have to survive both the natural elements and the social elements in that kind of a game. And so I continued to watch Survivor, the first, second, third, fourth seasons, and I enjoyed it. I really liked Survivor those first few seasons. But what I noticed happening in Survivor over those first four seasons, and back then and for most of the first few years, they did two seasons a year, so you'd have two versions of Survivor every year. But what I started seeing happening in that game, and this is what happened in reality TV overall during the same period of time, is instead of just bringing in what I like to call regular people, they were casting the show. There was the obligatory old person, sometimes two, a guy and a girl. There was always at least one villain, somebody who was just a jerk. They always cast a villain. They always liked to cast somebody who didn't seem to know what was going on, who didn't seem to get that this was a political game, somebody who thought that their survival skills were going to matter. I mean, they do, but not as much as the politics. They'd have the boisterous young person. They'd have the try-hard. They'd have the frat boy. They just had a checklist of people that they wanted to cast. And that's what happened to Survivor. It just became a casting contest. Rather than throwing a random group of people together, they had to fill the slots. And when that became the way that they started doing the show, I started losing interest. Because it was less of a reality show, at least to me, than it started off as. The same thing kind of happened with my other favorite reality show, The Amazing Race. The Amazing Race was more of a real show to me than Survivor because the object was to go from place to place throughout the world in teams of two and get from checkpoint to checkpoint. Last one there gets knocked out. And you had to do tasks along the way, usually a task that was local to the area they were in, riding camels, making food, whatever. You had to make airline connections. You had to learn to drive a manual shift. You had to be able to bike up a hill. There were all kinds of things that you had to do in The Amazing Race. And The Amazing Race also cast real people. The first couple of seasons were really good with just a wide mix of interesting people. Married couples, dating couples, couples trying to get back together. All different kinds of people were in The Amazing Race. But then they too started casting. You had to have the divorced couple trying to reconcile. You had to have the married couple. You had to have the parent-child, father-son, mother-son, father-daughter, some pairing of parent and child. You had to have the ones that thought they were smarter than everybody else. You had to have the obnoxious tryhards. You had to have the bubbly blondes. These were the standard slots that they filled on The Amazing Race. And it didn't really detract from the show for me, at least as much as it did in Survivor, because no matter what you cast on that show, you still have to get through the tasks. So The Amazing Race held up for me much better than Survivor did, despite the casting. But that's the thing that I noticed about reality shows like that, is that they became less real, using the term in its broadest sense, and became more about casting. We've got to get all these different kinds of people in this show, because we, the producers, think they're more interesting. Whether it's Survivor or The Amazing Race, I don't think you have to fill particular slots to make the shows work. I think the shows work without having a villain, without having bubbly blondes. I think people just being themselves are interesting. 
and when you throw them into a survivor situation or an amazing race situation they're going to be interesting without necessarily filling a particular slot that the producers think need to be filled so that's why i've kind of lost interest in those shows we're just filling slots and seeing what these people do who tick all the boxes the producers want ticked it's interesting there was a reality show that came out early in the 2000s called the mole Long before Anderson Cooper became a face on CNN, he was hosting this reality show. And it was about a group of people who were assigned tasks every week. But one of the people in the group of people was working against the group. And one of the goals of the group was to figure out which one was the mole, the one working against them. I watched that one too. That was really interesting. It did get picked up for a second season, but then it disappeared. I'm not even sure you can find it anywhere. But that first season of The Mole, hosted by Anderson Cooper, really good. Normal people cast in an abnormal situation, that's what reality TV was supposed to be about, at least in my opinion. Also back in the early 2000s, they came out with a show called The Bachelor. I'm sure you've heard of it. The Bachelor was a guy sorting through a group of 20, 25 women, whatever it was, trying to find a mate. They followed it up with The Bachelorette, of course. Reversed the roles, one woman looking through 20, 25 guys, whatever it was, looking for her mate. I mean, that's a weird dynamic compared to Survivor and The Amazing Race, going on TV to find the love of your life. I had my doubts about how effective this would be when it started, but I was interested. I wanted to see how it would work out. So just like Survivor and The Amazing Race, I watched the first couple of seasons of The Bachelor and I liked them. But just like the other shows, The Bachelor fell into the we have to cast this correctly mode. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they were all casting. They were all looking for particular types. But by the third, fourth, fifth seasons of these shows, it was clear they were trying to fill particular slots. And The Bachelor became really bad at this. Or maybe really good at this is the better way to put it. They had their slots they wanted to fill, and they filled them. But for me, it became less real and more annoying when they did that. And as the years went on with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, it became apparent that it had nothing to do with finding a long-lasting relationship. It had everything to do with people wanting to get on TV and do whatever it is they wanted to do. And I think that's the road that reality TV has gone down since then. It's all about casting people and putting them on TV so they can do whatever the hell they think they want to do or what the producers want them to do. Because if you've read any of the the behind-the-scenes stuff that happens at these reality shows, there's a lot of direction that goes on in these unscripted shows. They want things to happen. They want people to say things. They want people to react certain ways. They don't just let things happen. They make things happen. That's why I can't watch any of those Real Housewives or Real House Husbands shows. There's nothing real about them. The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, The Real Housewives of New Jersey, of Atlanta. I'm waiting for The Real Housewives of Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to debut. That's bound to happen, right? No, it's not. Because there's actual real people in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. When you go to Beverly Hills, Atlanta, New Jersey, they're not casting real people. They're casting people who they want to put on TV. There's nothing real about those shows, and that's why they annoy me so much. Same with shows like Wife Swap. Do you remember that one? They would have two families agree to change wives for two weeks. There was no way that was real. I mean, my first reaction to that show was, who would do that? No real people would really do that. No real people that I know. My first reaction to Wife Swap, these are people who desperately need to be on TV, just to be on TV. And that's what reality TV has become. It's people desperately needing to be on TV for whatever reason. And there have been so many reality shows. MTV probably started it with the real world. That predates Survivor. But there was never anything real about the real world. Big Brother, it's people who want to be on TV. 
You have shows like Road Rules, The Challenge, Teen Mom. There are so many like that out there. Just people wanting to be on TV. I mean, how many can I name? America's Next Top Model, RuPaul's Drag Race, Project Runway. I mean, these are all supposedly reality shows that aren't cast, but they are. And they're cast with people who desperately want to be on TV. The singing shows are also reality TV, but at least they have some kind of semblance of reality to them because they're actual singers out there trying to earn their record contract, if you want to believe that. The Voice is one. I like the premise of The Voice. American Idol has been around forever. That was another one of the original reality shows. Then you've got the dancing shows, So You Think You Can Dance, Dancing with the Stars. And a lot of these shows like to say that they rely on the viewer votes. But I've seen enough of these shows to realize there's got to be some producer input in these. Because there are very talented people who show up on these shows and then just disappear, get kicked off, don't get the votes in favor of somebody who is more flamboyant, more interesting, more exciting. And that's why I really question whether these reality shows are truly reality shows. Now we're going into The Masked Singer. You've got all of those talent shows, America's Got Talent, Go Big, which, by the way, both of those shows, I've said this to Mrs. Gamerdude a few times, they're just the Ed Sullivan show, but with a little bit of a twist, putting in judges and viewer votes to say which one is better. If you've ever watched the old Ed Sullivan show, Ed Sullivan would bring on any kind of act. Yeah, people know him for having Elvis and the Beatles on, but Ed Sullivan brought in gymnasts, magicians, ventriloquists. He had people on his show every Sunday night. Just a wide mix of acts. Famous singers, not-so-famous dancers, obscure gymnastics, balancing acts. It was a true variety show in the way that variety shows used to be. That's all Go Big is. That's all America's Got Talent is. They're just true variety shows. But they're called reality shows now because they're real people doing things in front of an audience and on TV. I guess you could make the argument that Ed Sullivan had one of the earliest reality shows because he brought real people on and they did real things. There was no judging, but it was real people doing unicycle acts, spinning plates, doing magic. It was America's Got Talent without the judges. Now, as I said, you can make the argument that Ed Sullivan was one of the first reality shows, but I'm going to tell you, in my opinion, the original reality show, because it really is a reality show, is Candid Camera. Now, Candid Camera started in 1960. It was originally hosted by a guy named Alan Funt. You may not know his name. You probably know Ashton Kutcher's name. Ashton Kutcher kind of revived that show back in the early 2000s with a show called Punked. But Punked was a mean version of Candid Camera. Punked had pranks like leaving a dead body out in the open and having somebody come across it. Not a real dead body, of course. Or pretending to have government officials seize a famous person's property. Punked was mean. It would embarrass people. It would humiliate people. Punked was real-ish, but it had a mean spirit to it. Candid Camera was just harmless, stupid fun. And as I said, it started in 1960. It came from an idea that Alan Funt had back in the 40s. He had a radio show called The Candid Microphone. And when TV became more prevalent than radio, the show evolved into Candid Camera. And Candid Camera was on the air for years. I obviously never saw any of the original shows when they aired, but I saw them in syndication because Candid Camera was in rerun for years. And what Alan Funt did with Candid Camera is he would put up hidden cameras and tape people's reactions to silly little things. There weren't any fake dead bodies. There weren't any government seizures of property. These were stupid little everyday things. And they were real. And you got people's real reactions to them. And I remember some of the pranks because they stood out because they were just funny. 
The pranks were just simple, stupid little things. And they could happen anywhere. Like in one of the pranks, one of the staffers was on the street and he'd go up to a guy on the street and he'd ask him to hold a tape measure. You know, one of those long tapes on a roll. And he'd give him the end and he'd say, hold on to this for a second, I just got to go measure something around the corner. And the person would take the tape and the staffer would walk around the corner. And then he'd find another person around the corner and ask that person to hold the tape just for a minute while he finished measuring. And so in the picture, you would see the two people on different sides of the building, each holding the tape, waiting for the guy to come back. And the joke was, how long would they hold on? Nobody gets hurt. Nobody's really embarrassed. It's just one of those things that you see how people are going to react. Another classic prank that they did is they filled an elevator with people. And one guy who wasn't in on the joke jumped in the elevator filled with staffers from the Candid Camera Show. And while the elevator was going up, everybody in the elevator would suddenly turn left, just facing the left wall. And the camera showed the poor innocent in the elevator looking around and seeing everybody turn to face the left wall, so he turned and faced the left wall. Everybody in the elevator took off their hats, so the guy in the elevator took off his hat. Stupid little stuff like that. It was amusing to see how people reacted. And as I said, it was all simple stuff. There's one where these guys are sitting at a counter in a diner. One guy is eating his grapefruit, and the grapefruit is rigged to spritz water on a guy down the counter. Nothing malicious, just a little spritz of water. And how they reacted to this is what the point of Candid Camera was. They had a hidden camera in a classroom where they had this gorgeous young guy come in to talk to a couple of the female students and ask them what they thought about being in his class. And, you know, he's model beautiful, perfectly coiffed hair, young, rugged, all-American type. And then he leaves the room and the camera records the girl's reaction as they talk amongst themselves about how much they love to be in this gorgeous guy's class. One of my favorites was filmed in a bowling alley. And it was just ordinary people going bowling. Except what they did at the bowling alley, they replaced the bowling pins with pins made of paper mache. So when you'd roll the ball down the lane, it would hit the pins and they would all shatter. And the point of the bit was just to tape their reactions. How would they react? What would they do? You can go to the YouTube channel. Go to Classic Candid Camera. Go look them up. There's a whole bunch of stuff out there from the classic days of Candid Camera. It was just goofy, unassuming, harmless fun. Catching people off guard, making them laugh at themselves, seeing how people would react to silly little things happening in the course of their otherwise ordinary day. That was the point of Candid Camera, and that was fun stuff. I think the best part about it was it was not designed to hurt or embarrass people. It was just done in the spirit of good, clean fun. That was entertaining, and it was funny. Because when people are being themselves, it can be both interesting and very funny. And that's what's missing from reality TV these days. You're not seeing people be themselves. You're not seeing people in their everyday world reacting to little things that might be out of the ordinary. You're seeing people in crafted worlds, partially scripted environments, where the world they're living in is anything but normal. I think when you see people in their natural environment, for lack of a better phrase, I think when you see people naturally reacting to just weird things in their ordinary, everyday lives, I think you get a sense that we're all kind of the same. I could see myself reacting to bowling pins shattering when I threw the ball down the alley. I could see myself reacting to a guy squirting grapefruit at me from across the aisle. And I could see that being a funny reaction. Without anybody getting hurt, without anybody being embarrassed, it's just a good, clean, fun thing. And I think that's what's missing from reality TV. And that's why I don't think we should call it reality TV anymore. Because it's anything but real. (laughs) 
I started off writing this episode as an entirely different episode. I was going to talk about how TV has changed the way we view the world and has changed our attitudes about the world, and I'll do that in another episode. But as I was writing that episode, this episode about reality TV just kind of came out. Because I remember loving Candid Camera. I remember loving to see how people reacted to weird stuff. And I'll never forget Alan Fun's tagline, Smile, you're on Candid Camera. It was real, it was fun, it was funny. It was a really enjoyable exercise in observing humans being human. And that's what we don't have in reality TV anymore. People play the hero, people play the villain. They don't play themselves. And to me, real people being real are far more entertaining than the caricatures we see on reality TV. Anyway... That's going to do it for this week's episode. Thanks so much for listening. As always, I appreciate your support, and I can't thank you enough for all the time that you spend listening. Until next time, you guys take care of yourselves, and I'll see you when I see you.